Welcome to the Chad Harrison Insights Podcast. In our new audio series, we'll be tackling the trending topics from our specialist sectors and talking to thought leaders to get their take on the events that are shaping their industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CH Insights. Today, I am really pleased to be sitting down with Doron Meyerstorff, founder and CEO of StoreDot. StoreDot is a company revolutionising the electric car industry by creating fast charging batteries. With an entrepreneurial mindset and having worked with smartphones, e-scooters and drones, Doron and his team of scientists have brought to the market disruptive core nanotechnology and organic compounds which are transforming next generation batteries. Between 2020 and 2021, electric vehicle sales grew by 50% to 6.6 million vehicles. By 2030, EVs could exceed 50% of total automotive sales, i.e. one in every two vehicles purchased will be electric. Cars, trucks and buses are increasingly battery powered and generate zero tailpipe emissions. The increasing demand for road mobility can be met without compromising global warming and people's health. The EV battery market is booming. The market for battery cells alone is expected to grow by over 20% annually, reaching $360 to $410 billion by 2030. Industry estimates suggest that the battery accounts for between 40 and 60% of battery electrical vehicles, BEV price, while 60% of the battery cost is estimated to be down to the minerals. Today's EVs run on lithium ion batteries, mostly made with lithium, cobalt, manganese and high grade nickel and whose prices have soared. Western producers are struggling to catch up with their Asian rivals, and car makers expect supply bottlenecks to hit car production around the middle of the decade. Hello, Doran, and thank you for sitting down with us today. This is really much appreciated. Um, I guess one of the first questions I'd like to cover with you is the type of batteries used in EV cars are lithium, iron, nickel metal hydride batteries, lead acid batteries and ultra capacitors. Why do you think lithium ion batteries are the preferred choice? Okay, so thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about uh, our batteries and extreme fast charging. Uh, lithium, uh, you know, is like the, the most, uh, the lightest element and the, the, uh, it allows for the ions to move in a, in a very simple way and easy way. So this can provide the best energy. All the other solutions are also possible, but you would never get the same uh, results like you get it in, in this uh, very uh, light metal uh, lithium. So, uh, you know, we try to work with other materials such as sodium and, and, and others that are, are like neighbors or close in the periodic table uh, to lithium that is, that is very high up at the top. Um, and we couldn't find anything that was really as exciting and has so much potential as lithium. So lithium mm-hmm. is uh, the, the, the choice of, of uh, everybody that are looking uh, at pushing the performance, mostly the range uh, of the uh, battery of the vehicle uh, to, to, the, to its limits. So uh, we, we chose the lithium and we'll, st- we'll stay with lithium for the foreseeable future. 
I think, and you did you did uh, mention it then about the range. There are three main bugbears for EV owners. Um, it's the distance before the vehicle needs charging, the time it takes to charge, um, and the performance of the battery dropping over time after multiple charges. How is the battery industry addressing these very real problems? Yes, so uh, range and what was associated also with that is the range anxiety was really like the number one barrier for many years for people to adopt an electric vehicle because ranges, let's say 10 years ago, uh, were you know, maybe 100 miles and that, that's not enough. Uh, so that, that was the range anxiety. But uh, so the industry has really improved uh, uh, tremendously over the last decade. And we are now uh, we're seeing vehicles at 300 plus miles of range. So this range anxiety is no longer, I would say, the key barrier. And it transformed into uh, what you mentioned. We, we call it the charging anxiety. People are worried that, uh, you know, either there won't be enough charging stations or when you get to the station, there's a long line ahead of you or you're actually standing there for two hours charging your own vehicle, which is also a problem. So all these are, are being addressed now where we are playing a role in, in, in fast charging batteries, meaning the chemistry that can actually take a lot of power and charge your vehicle in minutes. So this is still not happening, but for sure it will happen. And then you're, you're right to say that today when people are trying to charge fast uh, with high power stations or superchargers, whatever you call them, um, the battery degrades very quickly. And we call this the charging cycles, charging discharging cycles. And um, our internal goal was to reach at least 1000 of these full cycles of charging discharging. This would give you uh, a sufficient range. Let's say if each charge and discharge is 300 miles, then with the 1000, you get 300,000 miles. Uh, that's uh, definitely sufficient for the lifetime of the vehicle. So the, the industry is actually going now through this uh, 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 bottleneck of charging cycles and speed of charge. Um, and most new electric cars um, on sale today use battery tech that's fundamentally the same. Hundreds of individual cells packed into modules of pockets to make one large battery. The biggest ones are massive um, and they're, measure they're measuring a few metres long, some of them, and weighing several hundred kilos. Obviously, this impacts the range as well. Um, is this something that the bat battery industry can do something about? Are the batteries going to get smaller or lighter? So uh, unfortunately, the, there are no big leaps in the battery performance uh, over the years. You can get maybe five to seven percent year on year improvement in the range or in the what is called energy density. So you can over time make these batteries a little smaller, but uh, there isn't a huge leap in the horizon. I uh, will continue to stay in this curve even uh, when the, there will be a transition in in a decade maybe to what is called solid state batteries meaning there is no liquid electrolyte and you can potentially make these batteries a little smaller without the liquid electrolyte so you can save some of the volume but there are other challenges like swelling of the battery and things like that that would actually compensate for this gain so uh, unfortunately you know the physics and the chemistry here uh, uh, enforces uh, these uh, huge batteries to be in the vehicle uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the vehicle is becoming more efficient 
in terms of uh, the uh, use of the engine, the motor, the electric motor, and, and its aerodynamic uh, design uh, that is especially designed for electric uh, vehicles. So we do uh, get gains here and there on this uh, massive battery that is, uh, is a necessary evil if you want to really make this transition to electrification. Mm -hmm. It certainly is a necessary evil. We can't do without it. Can we? Um, one of the other things that has occurred this year, uh, which I think surprised everybody, um, is the battery prices went up. The battery sales has increased. Normally, when something is brought into a commercial environment over a period of time, it decreases. Um, but obviously, uh, because of the supply chain issue, material shortages, and then the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the prices of the battery cells have increased by over 50%. And most of the manufacturers are passing these costs on to the consumers because there's little room for the cost absorption by the cell producers. Do you think that this is going to change and can you see battery prices going to, starting to begin to go down again? Yes, absolutely. Uh, over time, we will see a, a decline, uh, a consistent decline in the cost of batteries. Uh, what we see today um, is really uh, a supply and demand issue that was actually uh, uh, problematic because of the war and because of uh, COVID and, and all the problems that uh, the, the world has been facing. But uh, we look at it as a temporary thing. Maybe it will take another year or two, but we'll get back on the curve that everybody predicts. Because at the end of the day, uh, when you have more mines and you have more uh, uh, sources of the material globally, uh, we will be able to uh, uh, gain the, the economies of scale of the mass volume of 100 gigafactories that are being built and many mines that are being uh, commissioned. So at the end of the day, yes, uh, definitely we'll come back to uh, a target of uh, 100 or less dollars uh, per kilowatt hour, where today we are roughly at uh, at 150. Uh, but uh, we, we do see the the uh, long-term uh, positive trend of this cost decline. So that's good to hear. Um, apart from the cost of the, of, the, of the producing the batteries, what are the challenges do you think the battery industry is going to face this year, Doron? So. Um, there is a, like a, a mismatch in the uh, capacity of factories uh, mm -hmm. as they scale, uh, because uh, you know all the car makers are now trying to customize the form factor. Meaning, is it going to be a soft pouch, or a hard case, or a cylindrical cell like Tesla is using? So each of the car companies is building different factories, and that actually. Um, makes the problem of the supply chain and the availability of uh, production capacity even worse because each factory is kind of customized uh, and there's no standard in the industry of, of uh, the battery form factor. So this is definitely a, cha a challenge and I see many car companies are trying to standardize their own uh, form factor and their own size of the batteries. Mm, I've come across this with the OEMs as well and, and, and some of them are trying different all, 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 all the solutions they're, they're working on to see which is the best, I suppose. Um, as part of the Circular Con Economy Action Plan, rechargeable industrial EV batteries will require a carbon footprint declaration. I think they're calling it a battery passport, aren't they? Um, 
and that eventually will tra transition into mandatory maximum life cycle, life cycle carbon footprint threshold. And from the 1st of January 2027, a recycled content declaration will be required for batteries containing cobalt, lead, lithium or nickel. And then from the 1st the first of January 2030, these batteries must meet mandatory minimal levels of recyclable content. So 12% uh, cobalt, so recycled content, 12% cobalt, 85% lead, 4% lithium and 4% nickel. How realistic do you think this target is to be reached, Donald? I think it's, it's, first of all, I want to say that this is very important. And, uh, you know, I really admire the, the, the German initiative uh, for the battery passport, and we are uh, a big part. Of, of this effort and even uh, though we are not in mass production yet, we are putting in place all the systems and the software uh, to trace the materials and to be able to identify uh, the sources, uh, but also the recyclability uh, potential of each of these batteries and whether these materials were actually uh, uh, recycled back into the industry and, and the, into the circular economy. Um, so this is very important and, and it's important also to put ambitious uh, goals um, into the equation because uh, it will be very difficult to achieve those. Um, and and uh, the problem is the scale. But the more batteries that would come into the recycling uh, uh, factories, um, the more uh, there will be an, a, an economical sense in making that. Because today you need to invest a lot of energy in breaking up the materials. And at the end of the day, we are actually increasing the carbon footprint uh, uh, and instead of uh, doing the reverse thing with recycling, right? But uh, but with scale, this will improve. And we have to put all this infrastructure and factories in place as we are uh, scaling up the factories that are actually making these batteries. So this is a very smart thing to do. And putting ambitious goals, uh, I think, is important, but it will be difficult to achieve those. I think this also works um with the second uh, life uh, battery um, ide ideal. Um, so, so after about 100 to 200,000 plus miles on the ro road, what happens to those batteries when the electric vehicle, it's not fit for use for an e EV? Um, there are estimates that 12 million tonnes of lithium ion batteries are expected to retire between now and 2030. And I know people like Nissan are using retired EV batteries to provide backup power to the Amsterdam Arena. Um, that's the, uh, an entertainment centre and home to the Ajax Football Club. And Toyota are looking at installing EV batteries outside convenience stores in Japan. One of the questions is all these, these batteries, you know, there are still going to be batteries out there that, that are not being utilised. Do you think we're creating, do you think the challenge is that there are all these retired surplus batteries, what we are going to do with them, not just break them down to recycle some of the batteries, uh, the battery content again, but there's still going to be a lot left. What do you think is going to happen with them? So I think first of all, it is a must to have a second life of the battery because the uh, rule of thumb uh, at, at the car makers is that when you reach 80% of your original capacity, so it can be translated to range. So let's say instead of 300 miles, you have now only 240 miles. Uh, and th this means the end of life of the battery. 
but f by no means this mean this means that you have to take the battery and put in the garbage or recycle it because it's a good battery. It can still do many many things, and one of these things is really to be involved in the uh, uh, load balancing of the grid or providing backup uh, power to uh, 5G uh, tower stations or to uh, be at homes. So there needs to be a, a, a very strong uh, regulation that uh, uh, forces the retired batteries to be first and foremost second life. They can stay there for years, many years, uh, and still provide value before you take them into recycling. So I think this needs to be a must and the battery passport is actually something that uh, is a system that enables us to, to verify what is happening to the battery once it's removed from the vehicle. Excellent initiative, I think. Um, the demand for batteries is expected to grow by around 30%. I think that's probably an underestimate, really. Uh, nearing 4,500 gigawatt hours a year globally by 2030. And the battery value chain is expected to increase by as much as 10 times between 2020 and 2030 to reach an annual revenue as high as $410 billion. I'm really exciting times ahead. Um, Stardot is a very exciting company. What is on the horizon for Stardot this year, Doran? So we are in this inflection point where we are starting to ship uh, batteries to about 15 uh, car makers. Uh, for testing, and uh, uh, very active uh, testing programs basically all over the world in all continents, or so let's say in the in the main continents. And and uh, what we see is that uh, some of the mindset of the car makers, uh, if you take the big guys, uh, they still think traditionally uh, that you need to test the batteries the same way that uh, usually the automotive industry has been working very conservatively, very slowly, and this can take a very long time. So I'm, I, I don't expect, uh, you know, like a large car maker to uh, embrace our batteries uh, in the coming year. But we do see smaller or newcomers that have more startup mentality. Uh, but without compromising safety and not skipping any of the important steps of the testing, they already integrate it into the vehicle. And uh, we will see at, uh, by the end of this year uh, some demonstrations in vehicles uh, of our fast charging uh, batteries in platforms that are designed to be on the road, let's say 2025, 2026. So these are really exciting times for Stordot as we deploy the first and the only extreme fast charging solution to the market. That is excellent. Um, that's really good news. Um, your your company, I thought, as you know, I've been tracking you for a while now, um, but is there anything you would have done differently over the last 10 years? Um, yeah, I think uh, I would skip all the uh, consumer electronic uh, market altogether and design the battery uh, directly to be in an electric vehicle because it was very difficult to foresee that uh, there's going to be such a hockey stick in demand for electric vehicle batteries. And we thought, like most uh, companies in the battery space, that it's better to start small with a small form factor, let's say for uh, a watch, a smartwatch or a smartphone or, or a drone. And, I realized that this was uh, a defocus, so I would definitely, if I had to go back in time, I would focus all the efforts on electric vehicles from day one. 
Wow. If only we had, if only we had a crystal ball, Doron. That yeah. would, it, it would make it so much easier, wouldn't it, as you say? Absolutely. You're can, right. Can I, th can I thank you for your time today? Because I do know how busy you are. You're all over everywhere, all over the world. I keep seeing you pop up here and meeting with all these people. Um, Stardot is an amazing company. And it's got, you mentioned 15 car makers that you're working with. And I know that you work with Daimler, Polestar, Samsung, Vinfast and BP, just to name a few of those. Um, it would be really good if we could meet up again in perhaps 12 to 18 months and look again at this landscape and just then just look over our shoulder and see what has happened. Because I think the next 12 months are going to be, we're going to see some amazing changes. Um, I know that, you know, they're, they're looking at all kinds of, uh, different ways of of, of uh, power powering cars, if you like, and they're even looking at um, cars themselves being the battery. It's going to be so so exciting. Um, so can I just thank you so much again for your time, um, and then if we can meet up again uh, in a year or so's time and and just see where your topnet technology has gone um, and how successful or how successful Stardot is continuing to be, would that be good, Doro? Absolutely. It's going to be, uh, I'm sure, a fascinating and even more fascinating discussion in a year because things are happening big time all over the place. And I'm sure uh, the audience will be will be really excited to hear all these news. Yeah, I think I can't wait. I can't wait. Doran, thank you so much and, and wishing you lots of continued success. Although I don't think I need to. I can see the way that Stardot is evolving. Thank you, Doran. Thank, thank you. you, Jane.